Hi, welcome to this month's Muni Market Recap. I'm Sarah Chanda, a portfolio manager on the Tax Efficient Team, and I'm joined today by my colleague and fellow PM, Eric Haas. Thank you for joining us today. As we open up 2020, we continue to see strength in total returns, so we'll provide an overview in January. Next, we'll review the current holders of municipal debt, supported by data found in the most recent Fed Flow Funds report. And we'll finish up with a discussion on a legal ruling that affects the special revenue sector of the market. So let's get started. So Eric, we had a solid year of performance in 2019. How has the market opened up in 2020? It's opened up the same way it ended. So we've had continued uh, positive performance uh, through the month of January. So overall, the market continues to grind tighter. So yield ended lower by between 20 and 30 basis points, depending on your location on the curve. And really, the 10-year and 30-year ended the month at historical lows. So the 10-year ended at a 1.15% and the third year at a 1.80%. So your total return on your portfolio would range anywhere from flattish to nearly 2.5%. So as a proxy for the overall broad market, we look at the Barclays, uh, Bloomberg Barclays Municipal Bond Index, and that returned around 1.8% in total return for the month. And really, it's, it's the same trend we've been seeing. So your longer duration assets have outperformed shorter as rates have come down. So when you look at the five-year versus the 10-year part of the curve, the 10-year part of the curve earned just under 2%, and that was around 70 basis points more in total return than the five-year. And when you look at quality, lower quality continues to outperform as well. So the triple B portion of the curve earned around 2.3%, which is 60 basis points more in total return over triple A's for the month. And on the state side, the lower quality states, Illinois, New Jersey, they continue to outperform the broad index. So the Illinois portion of the index was up nearly 2.5% as spreads continue to grind tighter for Illinois state general obligation debt. And New Jersey was up uh, slightly over 2%. What about the supply and demand dynamics from last year? Have those carried through to 2020? So they have. So mutual fund flows uh, continue to be strong. So in January, we had around $11.5 billion in inflows. And compared to last January, uh, last January we saw around $9.7 billion, so a pickup there. And on the supply side, the story remains the same as well. Uh, supplies up for the month of January 18% year over year. We had around $30 billion in total issuance. But the taxable municipal portion of that issuance remains elevated. So in January, it was around 22% of issuance uh, this year, and last year it was around 12%. So now we've clearly seen you know, sub- substantial demand over the past year, and we've seen that show through by way of increased mutual fund flows. In the most recent Fed flow of funds data for the third quarter of 2019, we got a little bit of a better idea of the overall composition of the market, right? Yeah, that's right, Eric. So thinking about just the market in general, the trend we continue to see, unlike other debt markets like corporate debt and treasury market, uh, the muni market is actually still slightly shrinking. So we lost just about $4 billion or so in the overall market. So we ended the market size at just about $3.8 trillion. That's been fairly steady over the last couple of years. And ownership, again, similar trend that we're seeing, is still dominated by individuals relative to corporate entities. So individuals in general, they make up about 70% of the market and how they're broken down. About 46% of that is really just direct participation, folks that just own munis outright. About 20% is um, really the mutual funds, and then 5% or so is really uh, allocated to the money market funds and closed-end funds. So direct participation in general was lower by just about $6 billion or so from second quarter of last year to the third quarter. Looking at the corporate ownership side, that also decreased slightly, about a half a percent or so in Q3. 
But of that corporate ownership portion, the P&C and life insurance companies were up a little over half a percent on a quarter-over-quarter quarter basis. Uh, really, the banks were lower by around 1.4%. And again, that's kind of the theme we've been seeing with lower tax rates over time. Uh, the banks have continued to sell and reduce their ownership of, of municipals. And when you look at the, the property and casualty insurers, really the increase is related to the additional um, issuance of taxable munis that we've seen in the market. Uh, they view them as, you know, they have wider spreads, it's a diversifier, and generally they have longer duration, which, which meets with their needs. We do think that as taxable municipal issuance continues to increase, um, we anticipate continued support from corporate and foreign buyers. Uh, but overall, we do think that the muni market is still dominated by individuals and, and, and kind of the retail buying base, and, and we expect them to remain the largest municipal bondholders. So moving on to more of a credit-related topic. Um, there's been recent news regarding a court ruling related to special revenue bond payments in Puerto Rico. So what's the update there? Right. So if we look back to March of 2019, the first Court of Appeals maintained a 2018 ruling, which stated that Puerto Rico was not required to pay special revenue debt service on highway revenue bonds during bankruptcy. So this ruling was appealed by the monoline insurers, and in January, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to take the case, so the ruling now stands. Just to give a quick definition of the difference between a revenue bond and a special revenue bond for folks in the field, a special revenue bond has a specific revenue stream used to fund a, a specific project. So the example uh, we'll cite here is actually one that city had actually just put in a particular report. It's, they use the example of a transit authority capital plan backed by fare box revenues only, and that would be versus a revenue bond which may have multiple sources of revenue. And then so why does this really matter? Well, it runs counter to how most market participants understand how special revenue bonds are handled in bankruptcy, because a special revenue bond has a lien on revenue post-bankruptcy proceedings versus a non-special revenue bond, which does not. So this ruling could actually impact the broader market if others look to challenge that special revenue pledge. Um, looking at actions that we've seen so far in the market or implications, Rating agencies have actually taken some action on this. Uh, in a recent Merrill report, they were citing Moody's. Uh, they had stated that this ruling is a credit negative development for several categories of the municipal debt market, but overall should have a modest impact to the market going forward. That said, Moody's did adjust some credits lower, and Fitch has come out to say they're going to probably adjust some credits. Uh, they may be affected as well. So it's something we'll continue to monitor. Great. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you found the information helpful. As always, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at cr at breckenridge.com with any questions or comments.